I've double-crossed good taste, and I will pay. I can't say how or when, but I know I will pay for it, this transgression. I won't take the fall for most of what I see here at work, but this one thing will fester in my conscience until long after I leave here, because it is my doing. Nothing to do with morality, I'm talking aesthetics. Last month, during a lull in the day here at the inn, I was folding sheets and towels in the little laundry room behind the front desk. I overheard Henri, the manager, discussing the hotel's image with Jeremy, the owner. They were worried about the new men's hotel that had opened in the village. It was true that we were slipping. Business was down, and though I would never admit it to them, I knew it because I hadn't been running around like the previous months. I heard them complain that the clientele wasn't getting any younger, that we needed to attract the younger guys, too, if we were to keep on and not become known as a geriatric hotel for aging queens. But what to do? We had all heard that the new place, L'Auberge Tout Le Monde d'Abord, had a nautical theme where the staff wore sailor whites and the hallways were painted varying shades of blue. In fact, Jeremy had sent the floor-boy Tim there on a little spy mission, and he never returned. We did get a Polaroid in the mail soon after that in an envelope with the competing hotel's logo in the corner. The image in the photo wasn't as clear as one might like, but we were pretty sure it was floor-boy Tim, now seaman Tim, I guess, leading a conga line of men through their locker room. Chilling. Their designer had gone all the way, too. The rooms didn't have windows, they had portholes, and there was brass trim everywhere. Happy hour in the bar was rung in on a brass bell, and the guests were entertained by a man in a charro outfit. It was a dry-docked love boat. Oh, why didn't we think of that, asked Jeremy. Everyone loves a sailor. Henri mulled it over. You would look good in a Merrill Stubing outfit, wouldn't I? Hmm. But that's so done, anyway. What can we do with what we have here? Well, if you're looking for a team, why not something that will bring in the tourists as well as the locals? We could go historical, dress everyone in Period French colonial, powdered wigs, knee-length pants, tricorner hats. I have a friend at the École de Théâtre. She'd be happy to unload a few of those outfits from their spring musical. Which was? Die, General Wolf, die. Mon Dieu, c'est a boring, mais les costumes. He patted his hand over his heart in appreciation. 
Jeremy nodded and smiled as he looked off to an imagined plains of Abraham. Something brought him out of the era, though. French colonial? Why not British? Are you going to be the one to dress your Quebecois staff in British red? You do not pay me enough to tell them that. Hmm. No, I see. But no, the whole point is, we're losing money as it is, so let's keep it simple. I took another white terry cloth towel out of the dryer. They had stopped talking. I suppose I found the silence, this vacuum of ideas depressing, and was alarmed by the possibility that I might ever scrub toilets dressed as one of Montcalm's fusilliers. Against my better judgment I spoke, and I swear, I was kidding. Hey, go tropical! They turned to me. You want to attract the young crowd, to get them in here after a Friday night of partying at Sky, right? So make this place look more what it is, a jungle. Henri snorted. Jeremy looked confused. I continued. All day it will be a respectable establishment, a proper hotel, but at night we dim the lights in the hallways, turn up the heat, and pipe in a soundtrack of native drums, toucans and monkeys, maybe some music from an old jungle flick. They were looking at me, waiting for me to finish, both of them now neutral in expression. I was waiting for one of them to pick up the joke and run with it, but it hadn't happened yet. Just have to add some more ferns, I added. Hardly cost a cent. Still nothing. They looked at one another for what I felt was a little too long. I was getting nervous. And so I meant to put it over the top, push it too far at last. I thought they would at least appreciate my attempt at camp. And we can get rid of these white towels and get a bunch printed up. Leopard skin, tiger stripe, zebra pattern, maybe a green crocodile number. Black panther, said Jeremy, still not smiling. Henri nodded. Ça sera bien cute, ça. Guys, I started, but Jeremy cut me off. It gets the clientele involved. We'll spend the same for the printed towels that those costumes would have cost. Well, maybe I'll splurge for a pith helmet for the floor boy on duty. I blanched at the thought of it. He was out of control. I hadn't created a monster, I'd created a zoo. Jeremy looked right at me. Do you think we'll have to paint the walls? Greens, browns, jungle murals? I had just suggested we dress up middle-aged men in animal-skin towels, set them free to roam the Serengeti plains of our corridors, to hunt and be hunted like the big game they know they are, to the accompaniment of a Johnny Quest soundtrack. And now the most pressing concern was, should we paint the walls? The enormity of the moment was upon me. It was time to pull out of this farce, I knew it, and yet... I looked around. Old guy in white towel at the soda machine. Older guy in white towel doing a crossword in the snack bar. 
impossibly old guy in white towel leaning on the wall near the stairs, a patient predatory look on his face. And I looked back at my employers, who seemed hopeful about something for the first time in weeks. I told them what I truly felt they needed to hear. Paint the walls. No. That would be tacky. They both nodded solemnly. Pretty Much, Episode 6, Jungle Nights, written and read by Scott Clarkson, music by Garner Firebird. ¶¶